The first reading is from Matthew 1, 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she, found, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he has considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because, it, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you, and you are to give him the, the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and they gave him the name Jesus. And the second reading is from Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20, on page 1027. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. As the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So I wonder, have you got a list and have you checked it twice? It seems to me that Christmas has a lot of lists. There's a Christmas list of things that you want to get. There's the list of presents that you need to buy, friends and family. Maybe there's a list of people that you still need to write those Christmas cards to. There's probably a scary long list of food that you need to buy for the Christmas merriment. Maybe it seems like Christmas is just one big long list. Well, I wonder, if I asked you to list in order the things that, I, that you identify uh, Christmas to be, what would make it onto that list? And what would be towards the top? Let's have a, a quick think. What would make it onto your Christmas list? Thinking over. Probably for a lot of people, uh, family would surely be on there. Maybe your essential Christmas Day TV 
with the Queen's speech followed by the final episode ever of Downton Abbey or Doctor Who. Food, uh, so much food. Perhaps it's the Christmas feast after which you say to yourselves, I will never eat again. Only a few hours later that same evening you're having some cold turkey. Maybe food is one of the big things that identifies Christmas for you. But I wonder if God would feature on your list. Would he perhaps be towards the bottom of your Christmas list? If we are being completely honest with ourselves, would God make it on that list at all? Among all the shopping and eating and TV and presents, you might, just might, make time for church... You might sing a few carols, but is God really what defines Christmas for you? Maybe for some of you, God is something you don't really like to talk about. Uh, Tony Blair, a couple of years ago, said uh, an interesting quote. He said, one big difference between the US and the UK is that it's okay to talk about faith openly. In the UK, we're a little bit more British which I thought was quite interesting. And maybe that's you. Faith is something that you just simply don't really talk about. Maybe for others, it's something you don't really think about. It's largely irrelevant to you. Life goes on. But perhaps that isn't you. Maybe you've been a part of St. Mary's or another church for a while now, and God was at the top of your Christmas list. Well, if that is you, then you are a minority. Sitting here today, you are different from most people in the UK. In a YouGov survey that was released in the Times at the beginning of this year, it it was revealed that only 32% of people in the UK believed in God. 53% said they did not believe in God, and 14% said they didn't know. So for the majority of the nation, God would not feature on their Christmas list. But there's another really interesting fact, uh, stat from that survey. Whilst only 32% of the nation would say they believe in God, 49% would identify themselves as Christians, which I think is really interesting. And perhaps tells us that whilst most of the nation may not have God on their Christmas list, they might still go to church once or twice a year, and they might get out the nativity scene when unpacking all of the Christmas decorations. It's a little bit like Christmas cards. Think uh, of your mantelpiece at home or of your bookcase, wherever you keep your Christmas cards. One is a picture of Santa, uh, red-faced and jolly, climbing perhaps a roof somewhere. And the other is a picture, is a Christmas card of Jesus, that well-known nativity scene. But what's the difference between them? Are they simply both myths? Fiction that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling? Or is one something more? Well, that's what we're going to be thinking about this evening. We've seen in our drama that Professor Scrooge refused to believe in Santa because he couldn't see, hear, or know Santa. He needed hard evidence if he was going to believe that Santa was anything more than a figure on a Christmas card. 
And maybe that's how you feel about God. If you're ever going to believe, you would need hard evidence. You would need to see, hear, and know God in order to believe in him. Well, as we saw in our drama earlier, Professor Scrooge's uh, first proof was that he needed to see Santa. And perhaps that's true for you. Maybe you've said this to yourself, that if only God would show himself, then I could and I would believe. Well, if that is you, then have a look again at those passages we had read out to us. In Matthew, uh, in Matthew 1, we saw that actually, uh, in those verses, God revealing himself to us. In 1, chapter 1, verse 23, we read, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God revealed himself to mankind in the form of a human baby. Now, it's really important to recognize who this baby is and where he came from. From the passage, we see that this was a baby born of Mary, but it was a virgin birth. He was not born of Joseph. That's why he nearly divorced her. No, he was God the Father's son. He is God with us, Emmanuel, God living in this world and walking on the pages of human history. In our second reading in Luke 2, we read that the shepherds saw him. They saw this baby. Last week when I was in London, where I studied part-time, one of the students had been away because uh, she was having a baby. And she came in uh, for our end-of-term Christmas special with this uh, relatively newborn baby. And of course, uh, most of the women in the group immediately got up and rushed over to see this newborn baby with the guys sort of sitting down, looking on, slightly bemused as this baby was passed around. Well, that baby had a reaction, didn't it? That baby had people coming and seeing and passing it around. But ultimately, it was passed back to its mother. Seeing that baby had a noticeable effect on some. But here in this passage in Luke, we see a much more dramatic response from these shepherds. We read this verse. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. This isn't just some cute baby that you are at for a little while and then pass back to the mum. These shepherds saw Jesus and they saw God. And they simply couldn't keep it to themselves. They spread the word about this child who was the promised king from God and was God. And we get a sense of the magnitude of what we've just been witness to when we see the response to this news. In those verses, we saw that people are amazed by what the shepherds tell them. I don't know if you follow the football But perhaps on some weekends you haven't got time to go to the pub or watch the football at home and you're committed to watch a match of the day and you don't want to find out the scores during the day. But perhaps you have a friend with you who's he's going to find out the scores and he he looks on his phone or on his laptop and you can see the, the surprise, the wonder, the horror in his face as he finds out the scores from the football. He can't hide what he's seen. Well, so much more important than how well Liverpool are doing or how badly Chelsea are doing, is the amazing news that the shepherds 
received. They simply can't hide just how amazed they are. And that amazement and wonder passes on to everyone they see. And the shepherds, well, they go back to their fields and their sheep, still thanking God for all they have seen. We can't see Santa other than on Christmas cards and on the sides of Coca-Cola lorries. But we can see God in Jesus, Emmanuel. Well, the second proof that Professor Scrooge needed was that he needed to hear Santa. And no ho-ho from some randomer would cut it. No, it had to be the real deal. So, can we hear God? Or is it here at the second hurdle that this investigation falls down? If we can't hear God, surely we can't really believe in him. Well, let's head back again to that stable scene. And the trouble is, you can't hear a baby. And before all the mums and dads with young children rise up in anger against me, we can't hear a baby speak, can we? And yet in the manger, the Christmas child, though speechless, is speaking volumes. In being there, he was saying, I'm here now, I am God with you. And the promises we hear in the Old Testament are given their fulfillment in that child. The promises that were given 700 years before the nativity scene are kept and answered in Jesus. So let's just have a look at one of those promises and hear how Jesus is the answer to it. We've already seen and sung about how Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. But this isn't just a new name that someone has come up with. Now, this incredible phrase was coined by a chap called Isaiah some 700 years before Jesus was even born. This prophet, this spokesperson for God, says these words in Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Sound familiar? Well, that's exactly what we heard read out from Matthew. This baby born of a Virgin Mary is no accident. This is Emmanuel, God with us. And the promise that was given all that time ago had its answer in the birth of Jesus. I'm sure we've all been given promises from time to time. But they're not always necessarily kept, are they? Whether it's a promise that someone will change, a promise that someone will be somewhere at a certain time. I know I often break that promise. Everyone has had disappointment and heartbreak because people have broken their promises. But with God, every one of his promises that he has given us are completely answered in the baby Jesus There is no disappointment. There is no heartbreak. So in Jesus, we can hear God answering all of his promises that he's made to mankind. And in Luke, the word of the shepherd goes out and people hear this amazing news of God with us. And of course, this baby would grow up into the man who would calm a raging storm with just a word who would pray and feed 5,000 
who would tell a paralyzed man to pick up his mat and walk, and he did just that. Who would teach, and thousands would be amazed. Who would cry out as he died on the cross, it is finished. In Jesus, we hear God. For Professor Scrooge, he couldn't hear the real Santa, and he couldn't believe but go to that familiar nativity scene, and if you've never heard it before, look at the promises God gave us, and hear each and every one of them answered in Jesus. Well, Professor Scrooge wanted to know that Santa was real by seeing his power, whether it was with his flying, with his reindeer around the world in one night only. He wanted to see Santa's power in order to believe. And I wonder if you've ever stood on the shore of a beach and seen the vast ocean in front of you with waves crashing down. Or perhaps on a clear night you've looked up into the sky and you see that vast array of stars and you wonder at their magnitude. Many of us, when we do that, sense the power that made all of that and sustains all of that. Maybe you've had some sense of great power, some sense of knowing God, however fleeting that might have been in moments like that. But that's not it. That's not all we have to go on. With the Father's gift of Emmanuel, with the Son's arrival as a baby, we have received something much more precious than a fleeting, unclear sense of God's power. God identifies with us God came to us. It's actually extraordinary when you really think about it. Not only did God's son come as a person, he came as a baby, completely vulnerable, completely dependent. Hands that crafted the stars in the sky at the beginning of time now reach up to his mother for a cuddle. The one who sustains the cosmos needed to be cleaned and changed. That's how God came to us, to our world. He gave himself as a human baby. Doesn't seem particularly powerful, does it? But look at this seemingly pathetic baby in light of the message of the angels we heard read out in Luke 2. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The baby was Christ the Lord. The Christ was the anointed one, the promised king, the Messiah, who everyone had been waiting for. A heavenly host of angels declare who this seemingly insignificant child is. And this baby boy would go on to be the miracle maker. He grew up to prove by what he said and did that he really was God. And so the guessing game can stop. The only person who can give us real clarity on who God is, is God. And God proved his existence by his appearance as a baby. And this baby would go on to do signs and wonders that would allow us to know beyond doubt that he was God. He came into a world of guesses and said, here I am. 
Again, this is no Christmas card of reindeer flying over rooftops. This is God himself on earth. And as you look at the familiar nativity scene, see the great power that lies there. And know that this is God and believe. Well, our fourth and final proof is the gift. If you're going to believe in Santa, you're going to need a gift. A present that allows you to really know that this is who he says he is. And with Professor Scrooge, we saw that whilst a present from his colleagues was able to shake off some of his bar humbug nature, it didn't make him believe in Santa, did it? So what gift would you want that would allow you to believe in God? What gift from God would you want that would make you believe in him? If you could have anything, what would it be? There's a a story of a a radio show host in Washington, D.C., who rang up some uh, some ambassadors from various different countries in the run-up to one Christmas, asking them what they would most like for Christmas. And the French ambassador was the first to answer, and he said, peace and goodwill to all men. It's a pretty good answer. After that, the Chinese ambassador answered and said, I would like to end hunger and disease throughout the world. And finally, the British ambassador answered and said, I'd be very happy with some aftershave and a new pair of slippers. I wonder which you can most relate to. Maybe you'd be a bit more materialistic and ask for the dream job or the dream body or the dream relationship or the dream retirement. Perhaps, though, we should be a bit more unselfish. This is, after all, God's present to us. So we really could ask for world peace. And maybe that's what this gift is, that God the Father is holding out to us. And as you frantically unwrap this gift, what do we see there in the present? It's a baby. A baby. That's it. And you don't want to seem rude, so you look amongst the wrapping paper to see if there's a receipt anywhere but you can't see one. And you ask yourself the question, God could give us anything, and he gives us a baby? Does he know what he's doing? I'm sure lots of you uh, get involved in Secret Santa. And I remember one year at university, we were doing Secret Santa with one of the societies, and I got a big bar of fruit and nut chocolate. I don't like uh, nuts, Uh, certainly not with chocolate, and a Manchester United football annual. I'm a a Liverpool fan. So either that person knew me very well or they didn't know me at all. Tomorrow we've got our staff secret Santa here at the church and I wonder if that'll be a little bit different. I don't know. And the question is, how well does someone know you? And often you can tell, can't you, by the gifts they give you. And maybe we're asking ourselves as we receive this baby from God, well, how well does he know us? How well does he know what we need Does he? Well, the answer is yes. Yes, he does. Looking again at that message from the angels in Luke 2, we see that this baby was a saviour. But why a saviour? What do we need saving from? Well, we need saving from ourselves. From everything that we've done wrong, that means that we can't know God. That means we're separated from him. 
now and forever. And that's why we need a saviour. Elsewhere in the Bible, it's described as darkness. We're lost, helpless, and in need of rescuing from this darkness. And there's only one thing that can save us. That is the light of the world, the saviour. We're not talking about a light that we hope exists somewhere beyond the darkness. We're talking about a light that showed up in the darkness. That's what we see, again, in the familiar nativity scene, that this baby was here as the light in the darkness. And Christmas is the ultimate assurance of light. As you remember, God himself coming into the world of darkness to be the light that we needed. And it's in him that we can recognize this isn't just some vague hope or myth. Our hope is set in the tangible flesh and blood of this baby. And as this baby grows up, Jesus' love for his people will take him all the way to death. Christmas leads to the cross. And it's there at the cross that Jesus takes on himself our sins and all the judgment that we deserve. The cross shows just how far his love goes, just how great this gift is. I don't know if you ever go travelling over Christmas, but if you've ever been in an airport over Christmas time, perhaps you've seen the uh, lots and lots of different people with in tearful reunions. People pay thousands of pounds and cross vast oceans just to be with one another. Why? Because love bears the cost to draw near. And Jesus bore the cost to draw near to us. At Christmas, God the Son became a human being to be the light in our world, to be the saviour we desperately needed because great love pays a great price. Love bears the cost. And on the cross, Jesus bears the cost for all that separates us from God. Paying off our debts that we could never hope to pay. And now he comes to each and every one of us and says, I know your darkness. Let me be your light. That is the ultimate Christmas gift. And the amazing thing is, it's free. The Christmas tag tied around the baby's ankle is addressed to you. Will you accept this amazing gift? Will you recognize that in this gift, in Jesus, we can see God, we can hear God, and we can know God? This gift is light in the darkness. This gift is light, is life to those who are dead. This gift is for you. And it came at such a great cost to God, but is completely free to those who will accept it. Will you believe? Will you receive this life-changing Christmas gift? That's one question that we'll be uh, leaving on this evening. But if you've uh, 
been challenged by what we've been looking at this evening, by perhaps that, that true meaning of Christmas, and how we can truly know who God is, then uh, we have a free gift for you as well, no charge. And they'll be in boxes uh, as you go out this evening, uh, in nice, nicely painted Christmas boxes, and it's called Four Kinds of Christmas. And it's a, it's a light-hearted book which you could read in half an hour that just addresses some of the things that we've been thinking about this evening. So do please take one of those. There's lots and lots of books, so it's certainly enough uh, for each of you and certainly enough for each family. Um, and Aaron will be telling us a little bit uh, about Christianity Explored that you can also uh, be using to continue asking those questions. Who is God? How can I know him? And what difference does that make to my life? We're going to watch a video now, hopefully, of uh, the chap who actually wrote this book, and he has some things to say on what we've been looking at tonight. So I'm hoping this video is going to work. They say there's a big man who lives far away, supposedly jolly, but it's hard to say. I've never seen him and neither have you. But the children believe, and I suppose that'll do. He's known as a loner with many a quirk, no time for a chat, he's embroiled in his work. He keeps to himself for most of the year. I reckon we're grateful he doesn't appear. We send him requests for particular needs, but we never hear back, who knows if he heeds. We try to be good, give his arm a twist, to merit our place on his blessed little list. And maybe one day, if we do what we should, he'll give us our things just so long as we're good. <laughs> I've had it to hear. I'm calling his bluff. He's a weird, moralistic dispenser of stuff. Granted, this rant is a strange one to pick, but listen, I'm not really after St. Nick. As strange as he is and Santa is odd, I'm really addressing most folks' view of God. It's God who we see as some distant big guy, some ancient invisible St. Nick in the sky. He sees you asleep, he knows when you wake, he's watching and waiting to spot your mistake. And just like with Santa, requests we hand in. We want all his things, but we don't want him. That's our connection with old Father Christmas. We might dress it up, it's essentially business. Throughout the year, good behavior's our onus. When Christmas rolls around, we're expecting our bonus. Just leave us our gifts, Nick, we've been good enough. And then please push on, now we've got all your stuff. I mean, Santa is interesting, curious, quirky, but nobody wants him to share their turkey. I'm sure his ho-ho-hos are sublime, but I fear what he'll say once he's drunk our mulled wine. That's old St. Nick, but the picture rings true. It's how we imagine what God is like, too. But Christmas resounds with a stunning not-so. The one from on high was born down below. To a world in need, he did not send another. God the Son became God our brother. He drew alongside forever to dwell. Our God in the flesh, Emmanuel. This God in the manger upends all our notions. A heavenly stooping, divine demotion. Born in a stable, wriggling on straw, fully committed to life in the raw. Santa gives things and then goes away. Jesus shows up to befriend and to stay. Santa rewards those for good behavior. Jesus draws near to the broken as savior. If you don't like God, I think I know why. You probably think he's St. Nick in the sky. You're right to reject that faraway stranger. This Christmas, look down to the God in the manger.